Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, the Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! The snow glows white in Lambo tonight, not a footprint to be seen. We need some new coordination for our boys in gold and green. Rumors were swirling when it started to be a trend. Then we lost to Tommy DeVito and his little agent friend. Baker Mayfield, don't let them see your passer rating, 158.3. Don't let them run, don't let them throw. Our defense blows. Fire Joe, Fire Joe, can't do this crap anymore. Fire Joe, Fire Joe, send him out and slam the door. I don't care what LeFleur will say. Why drag this up? It's gonna happen in three weeks anyway. Welcome to episode 153 of the Average Cheese Podcast. It's the whole family for episode 153. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at r Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Peter, we have come full circle on the numbers. You have now done 100 player profile bios. Our first one was Mike Douglas in episode 53. Here we are in episode 153. I don't know who it's not Nick Perry. Go ahead. Thank God. Well, only, <laughs> I guess it's only fitting having done Mike Douglas previously that we follow him up with another outside linebacker for the Packers and a really good one who preceded Mike Douglas at the Packers, Fred Carr. And he's another one of those names that kind of goes under the radar a little bit, but he's actually one of the best outside linebackers in Packers history. He's a little bit unfortunate, I guess, in that his career went from 68 to 77. So he, so he spanned that kind of post-Lombardi era. The Packers struggled and just won that one division title in, in 1972. Fred Carr was a fine defensive end at UTEP. Uh, originally, Texas Western uh, University became UTEP during Fred Carr's career. And he was an, an All-American honours there at, at UTEP, was the MVP of the 1967 Sun Bowl. The Packers made him their first-round pick in 1968 and was the fifth overall pick in that draft with the pick that came from the trade of Jim Taylor to the Saints. They converted, I guess, you know, the end of Jim Taylor's career into a, into a fine outside linebacker in first round pick in, in, in Fred Carr. And the Packers converted him from a, from a defensive end to a 4-3 outside linebacker. And he was a tall guy, 6'5", kind of rangy, 235, 240 range, and played all over the field in that kind of weak side outside linebacker spot. For the first couple of years of the Packers, he backed up Leroy Caffey, earned his first start of his career at the beginning of 1970, and went on to have, like I say, a really good good career. In fact, earned Pro Bowl honours in that first year, 1970. So Pro Bowler again in 72 and 75, when he had three interceptions in 75 and was also a second-team All-Pro. And he also had a great knack for blocking kicks 
as well. So in that period, the Packers had Ted Hendricks in the mid-70s for one year, who blocked seven kicks in one season. And then in 1976, Fred Carr blocked five kicks in a season, including two in one game against Cincinnati. Probably had his best year tackle-wise in the last year of his Packers career, which was 1977. He had 110 tackles. So it was a guy that was a three-time pro bowler, played those 10 seasons, played in every game in in those 10 seasons, 140 games. They were 14-game seasons then, 112 starts, intercepted eight passes, recovered 15 fumbles, forced numerous forced fumbles, which for most of his career was an unofficial statistic, but was credited with a lot of forced fumbles. Packer Hall of Famer, UTEP Hall of Famer. And like I said at the beginning of this, just one of those kind of underrated players who I would suggest is borderline pro football Hall of Famer. He was that good. Really? Yeah. A bit like, I guess, you know, the great guard, Gail Gillingham, who played in the same kind of period. They both suffer from playing in that kind of post-Lombardi era when when the Packers were struggling. Peter, as I was looking through Fred Carr's career, when he started, so from his first season that he started in 1970, I think you said it was, he never missed a game. Yeah. For the rest yeah. of his career. You know, he was one of those guys, again, it's, it's pre- sack numbers being official which which doesn't help but he was also one of those guys that that played would rush the passer but played the run well would drop into coverage like i said he had eight interceptions and stuff so he's one of those kind of all-round guys who's whose statistics if you like don't necessarily tell the full story of how good he was let's get on to the slices we got so much to talk about there's a lot of <laughs> joe barry stuff yeah. let's get on to our friend adam thielen former viking friend panther well it's in quotes. It's an audio podcast. Okay. Got it. He says on the Romeo Dobbs play, full speed, that's no catch. So kind of what you get when you play the Packers. Top thoughts on Adam Thielen? Fuck off. He can just go fuck himself because at this stage of his career, you got sent to a, a shit franchise who's 2-12. and 12. You, you, you don't need to be barking like that. And the Packers have owned you. you. You've actually done really well and like burned the Packers over your career individually. Those games probably didn't come out as wins for the Vikings when you were on the Vikings. So no no need to like start throwing shit around. Right? Sound like a whiny bitch. Yeah, you are. Like go away, man. And on that call... I feel like the NFL doesn't have a clear distinction between where things are inbounds and out of bounds. Like what they were calling there, what I saw on that play, there was a completed catch inbounds with the ball under complete control. As the receiver ruled out of bounds, the ball was... Came out. Came out. That's a catch. I don't know what he what he saw or what he thought he saw. He's in bounds. The ball's controlled, and they rolled out of bounds. It doesn't matter. Like, if a ball carrier is running, and he clearly has possession of the football, and he gets knocked out of bounds, and, like, it falls out of his fucking hands, nobody's saying that's a fumble, right? That's a good point. I never thought of it that way. That's not why I thought it was a catch. He clearly had possession. He was down in bounds. Down and then rolled out, and the ball got loose or whatever. Doesn't matter. Peter, your thoughts on this? You know, he has to control the ball to the ground and through the ground. I think the issue is at what at what point do you determine that the catch has been made, and then anything that happens after that point 
is null and void. So let's take a really stupid example, right? Say that play had happened and he'd slid out of bounds and he'd slid for, for 20 yards and gone into the blue <laughs> tent and the ball had come out when he hit the stands or hit the blue tent. Is that incomplete because he's still sliding? Clearly not. There's a point at which you have to decide that the catch has been made. I think the other thing with that, however you feel which side of the argument you sit on, it was one of those calls, and we see them every week in every game, where they were always, I, I in my belief, going to stay with whatever the decision that was made on the field was. The clock continued to run, if I'm not mistaken. And there's the key so, point. And, and that, that in itself tells you that the ball was caught inbounds. Yep, forward progress had ended. Done. Yep. That's it. So, there, like, I don't know. I, I feel like the NFL, there, there's some cleanup that needs to be done as far as what's in bounds, what's out of bounds. The ball needs to be to cross the plane here. We're still using fucking chains to measure shit. It, it's weird. And, and they, they even have like a, uh, you know, like a, a pylon for for first down markers now now why is that there why is that there does that mean i can reach out and like touch it because if i'm reaching out and touching that i'm out of bounds let's move on from that we don't care about you adam thielen we will never see you in another game well maybe we'll play the panthers bottom line adam thielen fuck off yeah we could have summed it up with that not talked about any of the other stuff because i don't care adam Peter, I need your takes on 23 again. Here we go again. I'm asking you about Jair Alexander. So Jair Alexander elected himself captain and went out for the for the coin toss. Whereas then he he decided he was going to tell the official that we want the defense on the field. Don't even get me started. Go ahead, Peter. We would like your take on this situation because... It's amazing, isn't it, that it doesn't matter how long you watch football, something that you've almost never seen before or heard before will crop up. Here it is. And, and here it is. Let's just be thankful that the official, let's just say, sought clarification on what it on what it was that the Packers wanted to do. Let's just let's just say say that. One of those things that I don't think will be repeated. <laughs> so let's call it let's call it a learning lesson. Okay. Well said. We're moving on. The Packers remain in the playoff hunt with their win. I read today that they have a 95% chance of going to the playoffs. Now, that's pretty high if they win out. There's a lot of scenarios, but according to the the Twitterverse, 95% chance. We'll just leave it there. We have no idea what's going to happen. The Packers need to keep winning or they're out. That part we know for sure. Let's move on to Packers-Panthers. Very interesting game. Lots to talk about. Peter, let's start with you. Initial thought. Up and down. You know, there were points this game. There were plays in this game. Um, I know we'll get to the good, bad and the ugly, but it was good to see Aaron Jones get going. And there were, there, there were times in this game, you know, when the Packers were up by 14 points or whatever it was in the in the third, fourth quarter. You thought, yeah, that's about right. We touched on it during the game. The Packers jumped out to that early start with two two touchdowns early. Exactly what we talked about last week. Yep. Good from that perspective. And then it all started to go south rapidly in the in the fourth quarter to here we go again. They're going to lose this game, aren't they? This is going to overtime and they're going to lose this game. It just felt that way. I think it's difficult to pull huge positives out of it other than it being a win now. Dad, initial thought? 
I feel like we're talking about a loss. It was a narrow victory. You know, in the NFL, you, you have to take the victories when they come. But I thought the Packers were in control of this game, especially in the first half. I felt like the offense was clicking. I felt like things were working. I felt like Jordan Love was, like, conducting his usual sort of he's he's pretty much mistake free i mean he 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 runs the offense efficiently i thought things were headed in the right direction i thought the defense was you just kind of like wait you wait for the for, for the wheels to come off and then i was like okay okay and then all of a sudden oh fuck here we go the differentiator for for this win was aaron jones w- without him performing the way he did in this game this is a loss it was a strange game and luckily the Panthers kicker missed two extra points. Of course, Carlson missed his own. You're not kicking in conditions. So to see two professional kickers miss three extra points was unusual. All right, let's move on to offense. The good, bad, and the ugly. We should have trademarked that shit. Anyway, top PFF grades, Aaron Jones, 81.4. Bo Melton, I put it on Twitter, looked a little bit like the old number 80 for a while out there. He had a really nice game. Jordan Love. Solid game out of him, 77.4 PFF. Romeo Dobbs, 71.5. And Dontavian Wicks, before he got hurt, 68.3. Aaron Jones was FedEx ground player of the week. Interesting, when you give him the football, he actually does things with said football, and the Packers move. What else went good, Todd? And I think we've seen this in the past couple of weeks, but like Tucker Kraft has made the most of his opportunity, I feel like, with the, with the injury to Musgrave up until... Musgrave got injured, Tucker Craft on the field a couple times, and it was kind of like a, li- a little shaky with Musgrave going out, and he's kind of the feature number one tight end now. He's really made the most of it. He he seems very sure-handed. He comes up with opportune plays. He does have the ability and kind of tenacity for yards after catch. If there's one offensive player this year that's the most improved, hands down. It's Tucker Craft. And that's saying a lot for a very young team on the offensive side of the ball, because there's a lot of improvement on the offensive side of the ball. Peter, anything bad offensively that you want to talk about? Well, before I get into the bad, I just want to I just want to put Jordan Love into perspective, right? So he's now only 413 yards short of a 4,000-yard passing season with 27 touchdowns and just 11 interceptions. You know, there have been times during the year, yes, when he's he's missed some throws and, and, and that kind of thing. He's grown as the season's gone on. And imagine how good these numbers are going to be, A, by the end of this season, but, but B, when he doesn't miss those throws. As he gets more confident, the Packers establish more of a running game, whether that's with Aaron Jones or whoever it may be next year. But I think it's worth putting that the Jordan loves what in essence is is certainly his first season as a full time starter into perspective. The numbers are are really impressive, and across the board, his numbers are going to end up around the top fifteen in Packers history of single season for a quarterback. So, I thought the offensive line clearly blocked well early in for the, for the running game. Aaron Jones obviously made the best of his opportunities, but I thought as the game went on, the offensive line then struggled. You know, the the running game started to not pick up as many yards. And I thought that Jordan Love was under more pressure than I would have expected him to be. And I thought generally across the whole board, the offensive line wasn't quite as good as we've seen in for a lot of this season. In fairness to them, the Carolina Panthers are one of the most underrated defences in, in the league. You know, they're ranked third in the NFL coming in. So this wasn't a bad defence by any stretch of the imagination that they were playing. 
but I thought that the offensive line didn't have one of its best games. Going on that idea, Peter, of the bottom five PFF grades on offense, Walker, Myers, Ryan, and Zach Tom were four of the five lowest PFF grades this week on offense. Elton Jenkins is the one outlier. When your entire offensive line is that low, you're having a problem on your offensive line. And on the ugly side, I think now it's just a weekly Patrick Taylor, I loved him in the past, continues to do something dumb every week. And this isn't like the I'm running inbounds when I should be running out of bounds. There were two plays. Which was the week before. Right. And the week before that, he did it two weeks in a row. So there isn't that bad miscue. And maybe I'm just watching for Patrick Taylor to do dumb things now. There was one play... he almost got Jordan Love killed. I thought the reason we had this in the notes is because he ran the ball to the left side on an obvious third down where we're going to kick a field goal and not keep it between the hash marks. I did scream that at the television, by the way. But there what was- the fuck was he doing? Especially with Carlson, who please don't like make anything more complicated. Keep so it that- in the middle of the field. That's play number two. There was a play when he was pass blocking, I'll just say this quickly, where he ran to a spot where there was nobody coming at Jordan Love. He vacated the spot where there was a pass rusher coming and ran to a spot where there was no one and almost got Love killed. But yes, end of the game, Patrick Taylor runs straight ahead. We're not trying to gain yards here. We're trying to put the ball in the middle of the field. Go ahead, Peter. So I have a question for you guys, because I don't know whether I missed this. Why was he the back that was in the game at that stage of the game? You know he's going to make a mistake there. You know something's going to happen and it's not going to be good. I have no idea. A.J. Dillon can't have the ball because he's got that big club on his thumb. Okay, why isn't it Aaron Jones? Now, Aaron Jones has put the ball on the ground a few times in big situations, but this is not that. How about a quarterback sneak? Who cares? Or 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 Neil Down. I mean, keep it within the hash marks. You you have a rookie kicker who's missed five field goals and four extra points. And this is like uh, extra point range. Right. I just I just didn't which, which know is not a I... gimme for Carlson in <laughs> any, in any stretch of the imagination. I just didn't know whether I'd missed something, whether there was no, an injury or no. You know you didn't. Stupidity. It was just dumbassery all just around. More stupidity. Let's just leave. Taylor continues to be a dumbass in the notes for every week in the ugly. He will do something. So I was at the bar watching the game, sort of by myself, yelling at the television like I do when I'm sitting on my own couch. I apologize. Yeah, I apologize to the people that were actually in the bar with me. And I I was yelling far too loud at Patrick Taylor. What in the fuck are you doing? Oh, my Apple Watch says my heart rate is like 175. Time to calm down. Let's move on to the defense. Although they gave up a ton of points in this game, had some highlights. Lucas Van Ness, I thought, played well. He had a 71.1 PFF grade. Carl Brooks had an 80. He was coming off of a very low PFF grade the week before, so it's nice to see him bounce back. Colby Wooden was fine. Preston Smith had a decent game. And I'm sorry, even though Jonathan Owens is in the plus pff score he's in the top five i did not think he played well so not gonna mention it what was good peter we're gonna need your help here anything good i got nothing there isn't anything moving on to the bad (laughs) uh 
I'm trying to think too, is like, well, on the good, um, before we move to the bad, and this is just like a defensive thing, like who right now is the defensive MVP of the, of the Packers? Crickets. I can't think of one. I was thinking of this yesterday. Who? Probably I, Rashawn Gary. Let's do that's, these. That's what I said. Easy. That's the only thing I could come up with. And even when I say that, uh, you're at nine sacks, dude. You've gone three weeks without a sack. This is the third week of zeros and just got paid a buttload of money. Yeah. But I guess it's him. And that's terrible because he hasn't done shit. He's not going to be an all pro. We can continue with the bad then. <laughs> so, they yeah, gave so up- that was, <laughs> I guess that was partially as bad. Um, I don't know. I saw Johnson got the start at safety. Which I was, yeah, which I was, Rudy Ford has clearly lost his position. And we saw that in training camp, remember? There was like the back and forth with the Rudy Ford thing. And he started most of the season early on. And like, and now he's, he's not. And now Johnson's in. Johnson had three missed tackles and then the helmet to helmet call. Late in the game. That was a bullshit call. He was leading with uh, his shoulder. I don't know. It, oh, come on. But really? Whether or not, no, no, no. I, I disagree. So whether or not he's leading with his shoulder, the helmets came together. That's the call. Was he leading like head hunting and was it a cheap shot? No. But the way the rules are written, when those helmets clash together like that, they're going to throw that every single time. That was critical. Did, did I think it was a bullshit call? Mm, I don't know. The helmets came together. I do know that. And I do know the rule is that. I don't think that he, he could have controlled that. Like, it's a bang-bang play, right? He, he's trying to make a play and make a stop. The helmets came together 15 yards. But still, it, you also have three missed tackles on your on your game. So I thought he wasn't exactly great. So the bad ugly are just going to mesh together as one this week? Because you gave up 30 and probably should have given up more. To a oh, team yeah. that has averaged 14.7 points per game. They're 394 yards total. Let me just go over Bryce Young's season as part of the bad and ugly. He had 312 yards passing in this game. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. The last time he had over 200 yards was in October. He has had under 200 yards one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times under 200 yards against your Green Bay Packers, 312. Against a starting Jair Alexander and a starting Eric Stokes. Stokes. Right. I said this on Twitter during the game. The Packers cannot defend the skinny post, the seam route. And that deep in pattern, whatever you want to call it, the dig, they can't defend the middle of the field against the quarterback running, and they can't defend the middle of the field against the pass. Two weeks in a row, the guys are running wide ass open, college wide open. Oh, yeah. Did you see when when I texted you, there was a point where McDuffie was split out as a DB. That's every left, week. On the left side of the field. And I'm like, and then Carolina called a timeout or whatever. And then like all the, when they came back. Well, I think the, the field, Packers called a timeout on that. Play. Maybe you're right. You're, you're actually right. Maybe the, the it was Packers because called, of that. Right. But get, then guess who went right back out there? <laughs> it was fucking um, Quay Walker. And I'm like. Marginally better. Right. What I don't understand with all of that is the continuation of the blame of What's wrong with the Packers is this from the floor is that is this communication issue? It's not. 
I don't think that it is. I think it's the fucking scheme that you guys are running. And if you had a scheme that made fucking sense, there would be communication. It's like the complete fucking inverse. And they don't get it. But like every fucking week that we squeak by or like the defense like gives a fucking 30 points. Oh, it's on us. It's communication. It's this. It's that. No, motherfuckers. It's what you're running out there on the field every time. Why the fuck is McDuffie playing a DB or fucking Quay Walker? Walker? Why? That's been all season. How is that happening? And players are looking at that and going, this doesn't make sense. It's too complicated. I don't want to be here. (laughs) I'm fucking hurt. And you're running me out there on the field. There's like a multitude. That locker room, the defensive locker room at least, is lost. And it's all because of that. It's not communication. It's the fucking scheme. If you want to take it upon yourself and be accountable, change the fucking scheme. Period. Or fire, or fire the guy that's running the scheme. You can fire him right now. Like, I, I don't agree with firing fucking Barry right now. I feel like you, you have to run this thing to the fucking end. You have to. Because they're not out of the playoffs. If they were out of the playoffs, he'd be gone. Okay. Who, who else are you going to put in there? I know. We already there, had this no, discussion. There's, there's nobody. Peter, give us something good, bad, ugly. No, there's no good. So we're on to the bad and ugly, sorry. <laughs> Give us something ugly or bad about this defense. So let's throw a statistic in there. The Packers only had two sacks. Two sacks is the fewest. So it's happened one other time this season. Sacks that the Carolina Panthers have given up in any game this season. Let's throw that one in there. So in terms of the pass rush, the Packers didn't generate enough of a pass rush, at least to put Bryce Young off his game. You mentioned... He passed for more yards this week than any other game this season. And like you say, it's been weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks since he even had 200 yards passing. Heck, there's been games this season when he's had under under 100 yards. He had his highest passer rating of the season. All the numbers are there in facts. You know, don't even have to have an opinion about this. They are there in facts, black and white. This communication thing, I I don't understand. I don't know whether they talked about it again in the press's Presses this week. I didn't watch any of the press conferences this this week. I couldn't. I couldn't take it. But the communication thing to me, if they honestly believe that that's the issue, you know, it's been said a number of times. Then I think you should have fixed it by now. If you really believe that that's the issue, you can yell to the guy from the sidelines, and they'll probably hear you. Just saying. Let's move on to Todd's specialty. What about Wyatt? I didn't want to get into that that far, but we can talk about Devontae Wyatt. I think that what we found from Georgia players, and again, I'm a Quay Walker guy, but that program is like the wild fucking West, Georgia Georgia football. When you get to the NFL, these are grown men playing a game for money. Well, more money than they get in college, but this is their profession. You can no longer be a loose cannon. You can no longer do whatever you want most of the time. You can't be immature in the NFL because it's going to cost you and your team. Do I think that Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker are immature players? Yes. They need to grow out of it quickly, though, because now you're in the NFL. You no longer play for Georgia. You play for the Green Bay Packers, and they will not stand for that very long. There's the Packer way, and if you can't get in line, you will be run out the door. I think it's that simple with Devontae Wyatt. I don't know if it's the Packer way, but it's the NFL way, right? I mean, you're going to get run either way to act like this. I mean, Devontae Wyatt had, I think he had the opening penalty on special teams. He had two special teams penalties, or well, one special teams, another defensive penalty, 
And then he had the, I'm just going to pile on this pile for the fumble, which it was a bullshit call. I think they called for unnecessary roughness. Was it? Well, dumbass, they, they already blew the fucking whistles. And then you're coming in there diving like a over fucking the pile. John Cena <laughs> and fucking diving on the fucking pile. What do you think? You fucking idiot. And that's another 15 yarder right there. They got to grow up quick. I don't think it's the pack way. I think it's the NFL. They just got to like mature quickly. On to special teams, the meatball missed another kick. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he's going to miss every time out there. Yep. Except for the one time I'm like, he's going to cross up and make this really long field goal. And that thing would have been good from 65. It was a slice, though. You don't see a slice off of a foot very often. That ball curved back the opposite way that normally right-footed kickers kick it. I'm out. Yeah, I'm done. he dresses me the fuck out every finish the, single finish time the he season, goes out there. Finish yep. the season. And, and goodbye. And you're done. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it was it was odd though because I just knew he was going to make that fifty six yard or whatever whatever it whatever it turned out to be fifty odd yarder. I just knew he was going to make it. I don't know. I guess that kind of sums up the up and down nature of where we are. Yeah. And if I haven't said it multiple times, Rich Basaccia has to go. They had three penalties in the first quarter on special teams. To include, did you see Van S? He ran into the fucking punter. I they didn't. Started, they started the game with a penalty on kick return, followed by fucking Van S on a fucking punt running into the punter. They are the most penalized special teams in the entire NFL. Rich Basaccia, gone. Go find another job. Maybe maybe a head coach thing is more your suitability, but you got to be out of our organization after this year. All right. Anything else, Peter, before we go? I got no. nothing. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 153 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Fred Carr episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go.